so I hope we can all gain some benefits short term, long term from participating in these uh, Dhamma session it's almost the exact presentation of the way we are very isolated and also we join together both these realities uh, attain not just through this particular pandemic crisis but really that's that's the story <laughs> yeah. the story of the conditioned conditioned state yeah. and what uh, help <clears throat> these teachings can bring or I can bring my perspectives such as they are um, are really to review and address this state the conditioned state and so I have you know, a lot of sympathy and concern for people's life situations and you know isolation and ill health and uh, you know job job problems and overwork problems uh, as a, this, these aren't things I can necessarily address in detail doesn't mean I don't care or don't notice it it just means that this um, this teaching is really uh, pointing to a particular piece that we can work on in ourselves that will make us capable of resilience and skill and agility and spaciousness in a world where there's a lot of pressure and um, hardship and isolation, sickness, death, yeah. which you know is not really going to change fundamentally. Mm. That's the conditioned realm, conditioned world. And so the questions are, how do I deal with my, you know, partner who's irritable or my mother who's demented or my father who's bossy or my boss at work who's, you know, an egomaniac or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> other people. How to do with other people, whether individual people mm. or the world in general, you know, yeah. mm. reflected from time to time just on the, on the state of what the global population um, is enmeshed in, seemingly enmeshed in anyway, uh, ignorance and struggle. Mm lots of erroneous views and conflict and uh, uh, this is kind of what we're set by this the world in general human world in general people individually then one's own body you know with a lot of pain physical pain uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
And then the results of karma is one's got particular patterns, not just actions that one does, but receiving results of of the residues in the body, you know, um, heavy energies, heart closed, um, you know, can't seem to get my mind together to focus on anything steadily, always feeling drowsy or feeling restless. So we're kind of meeting these various places. And then, well, there, there's the sign, isn't it? The dukkha sign of the characteristic of dukkha. And, you know, we hit that quality where the final suffering is because of other people, suffering is because of the world in general, suffering is because of my body, suffering is because of my mind. You know, well, you know, you hit, hit the edge of it. And then what happens? Sort of bounce back and either try to find somewhere else or, you know, proliferate around I'm never this, I'm that, that, this isn't right, that isn't wrong, and then stir up a whole tangle of, of difficult emotions and feelings and self-views. When we hit that characteristic, you know, and, and because we don't necessarily see the characteristic, because we see, oh, you know, this boss is so irritable, you know, and my father's so bossy, and, you know, people in power are so corrupt and stupid. And my body definitely has some physical problems. I'm not saying that that is not apparent, but just, you know, broke point of this Yoni Somni Sikara, careful attention. I think from time immemorial, people have come up with those topics you know, there's nothing so unusual about it. People come up with those topics time and time again. Probably will continue to do so. Yeah, so what happens? We feel set back by it all. Dukkha. We don't really get to the point. The only so Minisikara getting to the point. Careful attention. What does always boil down to in terms of jitta? Jitta hits dukkha. What does jitta do when it hits dukkha? It scatters, it crumbles, it, it leaps out somewhere else. This is not, you know, um, and then that goes into action. So, you know, irritated with this person, so I'll find somebody else. Mm. I don't want to be alone, so I'll go and be in a group. But then when I'm in the group, I get annoyed by the people in the group who don't do what I do. <laughs> so I think, oh, I'm fed up with these people. <laughs> so so weird, confused. I'll go and be on my own again. Be on your own. Oh, I feel kind of lonely here. <laughs> so I'll find the person I want to be with, the one person I... Uh, and you find the one person you want to be with, and then uh, <laughs> there's problems with them too. Uh, uh, you know, or you think you're not good enough. 
for them. They're so wonderful, you're not good enough, or they're pretty good on this level. If they only lose weight, if they only take care of their health better, then you'd be more contented. If they're only a bit more tidy, living with somebody, if only they'd learn to be a bit more tidy, that would be right. And if they learn to exercise more, that would be better. Maybe they could, you know, be prepared to have a useful conversation now and then, that would, that would be better. But, you know, the other one's thinking, I wish they'd just shut up now and then, leave me alone. <laughs> always wanted to talk, always trying to improve me. <laughs> Let me be. <laughs> so it goes. <laughs> Domestic. <laughs> They have an expression in England, having a domestic, which surely means having an argument. <laughs> it's kind of domesticity is seen as synonymous with quarrelling. <laughs> Almost inevitable. <laughs> so we look for an alternative. But we find we sooner or later we bump up against the same characteristic <laughs> in another form. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so you have to rattle around quite a lot generally in the world, rattling around quite a lot, thinking there's something wrong with her, there's something wrong with them, there's something wrong with this. If only it didn't rain so much here, it'd be okay. If only it wasn't so hot, it'd be okay. <laughs> If only it wasn't the traffic outside the door, it'd be okay. If only <laughs> the birds didn't peck the fruit off my trees, it'd be okay. If only the monkeys didn't jump down at now and then, it'd be okay. Uh, so it's always right. And so, you know, what do you do? You know, you just kind of jump around or just sit there feeling hopeless and helpless. Well, there's a kind of... Um, <laughs> kind of death that we encourage <laughs> in this practice <laughs> which is inevitable anyway but as the saying goes learn to die before you die then you won't die when you die what has to die the craving <laughs> and the projection and the uh, desperate self this package so often the world in general doesn't see beyond, doesn't get past. And as I've been indicating, you know, jitta, self arises, this package, which seems to be me, is made of all kinds of preferences and, and uh, values and uh, things I'm not comfortable with and things I really like to do um, and urges to make things go this way, a lot of certain willpower in it um, and certain places it feels rather inadequate and nervous and incomplete and that's the package and so this is something that really you know we, we kind of live with and try to make you know as comfortable as possible but then it's always going to be angling around and conflicting with other selves. You know, admittedly, you know, one could say that, yeah, people can be exceptionally cruel and stupid 
Um, but me getting upset about it isn't really going to make it any better. Uh, and, and having it sit in my mind, so the next time I see them, I think of that, that horrible person that I think they are. That isn't going to do me any good. You know, so my father's bossy or I find him bossy. You know, perhaps from his point of view, he's just looking at, feels he's trying to do his responsible duty as a parent. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> you don't know. Uh, but you know that, so the next time you see him, he's oh, a bossy father again. So he, he gets configured in that particular way. And we bounce off this dukkha and we don't really digest it. So it becomes kind of ingrained. And then the same patterns play out. And we get addicted to dukkha. It seems strange to be addicted to suffering and stress. But it is a kind of addiction because it goes along with being addicted to self. Mm. Addicted to self. Mm. And there isn't some self that can get beyond self. And there's a humility and uh, a giving up that's required that is still cannot be practiced cannot be practiced through a sense of defeat and ignominy the relinquishment is practiced with a sense of courage and faith and energy you know, if you break out of the shackles and the Buddha said and it's like he said I burst out of this like someone coming out of a chain mail shirt that's wrapped around their chest so then I burst this this chain mail you know what chain mail is these rings of steel they used to wear in in well in Europe anyway in the middle ages for armour this is I burst this I burst through this and summed it up as becoming it's well bhava which is translated as becoming because like many of these Pali words you don't really find a very meaningful or, or clear uh, translation. That's as good as they do it. Sometimes they call it existence. Uh, and it has two forms, the existence and non-existence, or becoming and non-becoming. What it really means to open up that term is a sense of being an identity that is a, a package of feelings, perceptions, impulses, uh, and so forth, right? Intentions, wishes, aims, fears, uh, interests, and so forth. That permanent package of that, along with history, meanings, impressions, you know, and the sense of being that and perpetuating it in time. That is, we want it to continue further. And we, we remember those qualities in the past, so they, they're kind of carried on. right? So our attitudes from the past formulate a person, you know, and then that perpetuates... So this experience is then of being an entity who passes through the world of time. 
an entity, an entity, a fixed entity, uh, who maybe changes a little bit, moderates a little bit, but basically an entity traveling through time and wishing to travel through time for a while until the statistics say mm, you're getting to the end of it, you know, and you don't want to travel through time, but <laughs> I think I like to not have to go over the edge into what I don't know, death and so on. But when we remember death, we recognize, yeah, that's where the world of time goes. However much you tidy, however much you uh, deal with this and plan that and figure that and make the best you can of that, that's where this lot goes. And the Buddha said, I teach the deathless. So don't just linger in despair. I teach the deathless, the path to the deathless. Heedfulness is the path to the deathless. With heedfulness, with clear diligence, with attention, you can see the way through, out of this corset, this chainmail shirt of becoming. And it's not through negativity, or what's called non-becoming. I don't want to have to be here at all. I don't want to have to feel feelings. I like to get rid of these impulses. I like to not have to be in my situation. I like to be not a person. I wish people would stop thinking, you know, I'm this, that and the other. You know, I don't want to be you know, Leave me alone. And then after a while, being left alone, it'd be nice to have some company. <laughs> so it swings back and forth. Because the wish to annihilate oneself is another piece of of the impulse aggregate that we are trying to release jitta from. These, these reflex intentions which keep throwing it into suffering. These kind of loaded trajectories. You're like a pinball in a pinball machine and it bounces. You know, and we're trying to liberate ourselves from that 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 trajectory where you've just been propelled through becoming into hitting dukkha, bouncing around and then running away and hit more dukkha because you can't get away. And then you try to become something else, you can't become that, so you run away again and try to avoid it and you hit something else, it bounces around. Of course, the Buddha's uh, main teaching pivotal teaching Four Noble Truths is something that is really dealing with this, this topic. And often they also recognise he taught the Four Noble Truths the people had already done quite a bit of practice had trained their minds to a degree, quite a strong degree. And he said actually in, in the more you know, elaborated form he said well you know, prepare the mind by cultivating generosity, morality, restraint, renunciation. Then you actually, this process of yoni soma, nisikara, care for attention, 
noticing that the quality of generosity, which is not necessarily material, could be giving advice, giving shelter, giving friendship, then you're really touching into that chitta, um, which we're going to try and train. You've got to get it out there. You've got to reveal it. You've got to sense it. You've got to go to that place. So this is the easy way. Everybody likes to do that. People enjoy it. Of course, you know, the way the consumer world is, they cash in on it. <laughs> so you want to be generous, go out and buy da 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 you know, so that the people, it gets corrupted, doesn't it? To, uh, or, or hijacked. But the everyday generosity of careful attention and how can I help? Service is quieter, less consumer oriented and probably by and large more pertinent, more relevant. And then it's just as coming out, it begins to recognize its own touching into something that isn't just clinging. Because the nature of this um, trap is that it's, uh, it's a trap as long as it's not seen, in the not seeing, there's a sense of stuck in it, clinging to it. Clinging isn't a choice, it's a, it's a reflex. Uh, so we want to know who we are, so we, we know what to do, we want to know who we are, so there's a sense of, well, this is the pattern, this is what I'm supposed to do, this is what I'm supposed to be, so I'll pick up that, that rather than look around at what's really relevant now. Mm. You know, so if you're in your role, your job, your family situation, I'm supposed to be the father, the, the son, the worker, the this, that, and the other. Therefore, just pause. I'm a human, awake, awakening. What's relevant now? And then you can begin to work within your role or your position, or moderate it by inhabiting it without the clinging to fixation on it or trying to get, you know, resisting it. You can moderate it, change it, shift it through non-clinging to it. Adapt, absolutely. Sila, morality, said a teacher this, because then you know you're always going to use your adaptations and be guided along the main guideline of non-exploitation, non-abuse, honesty, straight, the ujjuchitta, straight, direct mind, the ujjuchitta, the upright mind. It makes you operate according to conscience and concern, a sense of value. These values that support the chitta. And the whole process of yoni somanisikara, deep attention, appropriate attention, careful attention, wise attention, is when we are lengthening your attention span. 
And this is something definitely to practice. Because uh, by and large, the attention span of people in the busy world gets shorter and shorter. Things are flashing by so quickly. And, uh, you know, seconds, milliseconds, lights flashing, time, and this sense of time speeds up. And so your mind tries to shorten the attention span to keep up with it because of feeling bound in time. So the idea is you try to keep up with time and time's getting faster. (laughs) Human time's getting faster, isn't it? You try to pack more into the hour, work longer hours, pack more in. And then the speed that things we're tethered to the machinery, the technologies, which are, again, fantastic. Uh, but um, often they, they, they demand that you, you get fit. You get fit to run with them. Uh, and there's a point at which you've really got to practice uh, to what degree is this helpful. You know, keep that edge what degree is the efficiency, the effectiveness? To what degree is that helpful? Mm. We must learn to widen our attention span, lengthen our attention span, otherwise it just will not be possible to have careful attention. It's just not possible. Maybe, you know, for the average person anyway, it means the simple thing of you... You pause, you listen, how's that? It's not conceptually, it's not difficult. You see someone, you pause that second or two, how is this, how is it touching you? Feel happy? Fine. Uh, and just, just listen. And if it's another person, just waiting for that second or two and Negotiating contact. So we kind of meet rather than crash into each other. And then things you do. You can't pay careful attention to it. Is it really worth doing? Be careful, because if you keep sacrificing that capacity to lengthen your attention span and take things in, that becomes habitual. And then you really lose in touch with the guiding capacity of the citta, which is careful attention. If you're losing touch with the guiding capacity of the citta, well, do I need to say more? So even if even in my rather you know, agreeable, I would say, some many respects, situation. When when one has a position, so if you're the abbot, for example, which I was for many years, people will naturally see you as that, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you feel you're just doing a doing a service. You're trying to help out, uh, 
but the advert tends to be the person you've got to ask permissions of and so forth. And can I do this? And could you answer that? And what about this? And and sort this out. There's a problem here. And and what do, what do they want? And how do I do this? This kind of thing's going on all the time. So you end up being like a slot machine, an answer machine. And people just punch the button and <laughs> they come flying out. <laughs> And so now, you see, sometimes now they don't even see, just send you an email. <laughs> hey, like, you know, there's somebody here. <laughs> uh, in the sense of it's quicker if we go automatic. <laughs> it is quicker. It's definitely quicker. <laughs> is that good? <laughs> is that good? It's quicker. Time speeds up. Attention span shortens, patience diminishes, uh, sensitivity diminishes, flexibility diminishes, yeah, ability to adapt diminishes. Yeah, we become more like automatons, and then we lose the capacity which we all have definitely capacity of heart. Yeah. The first thing when you see someone should be the sense of first thing, may they be well. First thing. Goodwill, first thing. That isn't there. We haven't started yet. We haven't actually met yet until there's that recognition of you know, this is a you know another jitta with its stuff it has to deal with and you know, may they be well, may they and that, that just that pausing in, in the recognition of the communality of our experience, working with dukkha. But you know, if you've decided the person is the answer machine, they don't have any problems. <laughs> just punch the button and get the answer. <laughs> I'll get another one. <laughs> this one doesn't work. Get a better one. So it's called projection, isn't it? Projection, they call it. When you, what we, we don't want to meet that that wavery uncertainty of maybe I don't know, I don't know who this, what's happening, the other person's. I don't, I don't want to know because I'm busy being me and getting my wishes fulfilled, <laughs> and you're going to do it for me. <laughs> So that responsibility to, and I think if one, one recognises one's done it, you think, oh my goodness, how could I be so insensitive? I didn't realise. And it's not anybody in particular, that's what happens when our attention span shortens, we don't realise. Because, you know, wisdom is not self, it's not that it's kind of everything I say is going to be wise. If my attention is, is, is wise, it will be wise. If my attention is not wise, it won't be wise. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's not like I have a, a kind of a patent on wisdom. It's all stored up. If I'm not attentive, I'm not wise. I don't, you know, it's, 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 it's chitta, not self. <laughs> so if I'm still operating in that narrow band of attention of the 
of the self, which is always me, me, and, uh, and the way I see things, what I see you as, what I like and did, how what you should be, according to me. I'm still seeing that from that position. My, my attention is pretty cramped and held in by this craving. We don't even recognize it's there. It lies, it runs under the surface and it says, I want you to be this um, so that I will feel comfortable and so on. And we don't even know we're doing it because the, of ignorance, the other great, uh, the, the major great problem. Everyone's at least widening one's attention you can see these impulses jump up as oh it's going to be oh yes it's, 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 oh, she'll do that oh he's like that wait just pause what's that what's that there's my you know anxiety there's my there's this well not mine but there's the quality of anxiety there's the quality of of irritation there's the quality of passion you know not self, it's not self, don't take it all personally. These are the qualities you want to reveal. And you reveal them with, with that lengthening your attention span, widening your attention span. You're not just winding in terms of time, you're also winding, if you like, in terms of space. So including, you know, widening to include the situation around me, around this being. It's one of our trainings in monastic life is particularly when you come into a room with people, your attention is aware of all the people in the room, you know, simultaneously. So you whether you know what effect you'll have as you walk in, so you generally soften your body as you walk past people, diminish the so you're not impacting people, keeping your voice quiet till you settle in. You know, finding out where you are in relationship, if there's a Buddha image, you first will pay your respects to that. And, you know, so you're aware of the whole picture, first of all. You wind your attention, not just, I come in with my, I've got to get this done, but pause, enter what's around me. What's around me. Calm, steady yourself. Mm. Mm. Because for sure, Everybody else has got something going on for them. So you can't just think, oh, it's all I'll get in, go in there and get my 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 needs met. No, I'll go in there and just pause. That's my first need, is to pause and notice how anxious I feel or uncomfortable I feel or urgent I feel or what I want, what I think of people, what I think they think of me and just that's that's my stuff. Oh, that's this stuff. And pausing, restraining the outgoing rush to fulfill it or to follow it. And then you say, then the Buddha said, you do that. Now you're ready. Now you're ready to contemplate dukkha rather than react to it. Mm. Mm. 
we meet that edge. The beauty of it is, we meet that characteristic. Something seems to oh, almost say give up, sounds so negative, but it's called relinquishment. So the root desire is relinquished, the push forward is relinquished, the running away is relinquished, the immediate projection is relinquished, this opening. Because that's what citta can do that nothing else does. The mind, when citta is infected with craving ignorance, is, is just shooting impulses forwards, backwards, this way, that way, future, past, self, other. I'm this, she's not that, they're this, why is that, why are they that? Uh, could be this, oh, they're great to see her, them, him, that. It's, it's always shooting <laughs> these, these directions. You recognise any of those that you, that you aim for are, by the nature of the aim, by the nature of the jitters shooting, that makes them dukkha. <laughs> Because what's it shooting? It's shooting its own, you know, confusion and craving, worry, anxiety, uh, and so forth. And then naturally they become, situation becomes that which my, my jitta rushes out through. They're depressed. Going, you see, come into a place, you see, oh, look at that, oh, feels it, you notice the things that are depressing saddening and so forth but the one thing that jitta can do which nothing <laughs> which it needs to know how to do is how to just how to open and it's quiet and your attention span now has become pretty boundless it's resting it's quiet it's open because we something's begun to learn. If I push this way or run that way or wiggle or jump, it's going to be more suffering. If I try to withdraw and contract and harden and defend myself, it'll be more suffering. If I start to proliferate about how it's always been like this for the last five years, I never get what I want, I'm going to start suffering more. And the Buddha says, you don't need to. You don't need to do that. That's, there's a choice there. There's the condition for suffering, absolutely. But the cause, the condition, is called the five kanda. Form, perceptions, impulses, feelings, consciousness, sense consciousness. There's the condition. You bounce around inside that. Your chitta bounces around inside that. It's going to hit dukkha. But it's a condition. And the cause, which is the immediate agent that activates it, avijatanha, ignorant craving. And we're ignorant about the craving. Thirst. 
we're ignorant about the thirst. We don't really see it as it is. This is why we have to train to see that dukkha, not to make ourselves miserable, to make ourselves pragmatic. The only way you get past this is by seeing it where it is. So you only get past it through wisdom, right? But then when that is seen as that's the characteristic, the jitta can relinquish those understandable reflex jumps and bounces and mental activities with an opening. Relinquishment. And linger in that, we might very well think, well, that sounds all right for you. Does this make the world a better place? Will it solve climate change? Will it... Don't... Just linger a little bit longer. Uh, Certainly, the more that any of us eliminates that, that's going to be our certainly part of our contribution just by that alone. Pausing and reflecting, what do I really need? Mm. And the less I need, the better. Actually, well, that's a great, that's a great avenue to walk down. Realistic, what I need, and if you walk down that avenue with wisdom, you're going to find all kinds of bits drop off. You don't really need. You need shelter, you need warmth, you need food, and so on. But what you really need, above all, is wisdom. And it's worth sacrificing a few other things to get that one up and running. And too much clutter is going to limit, is going to make your attention much more cramped, dealing with all this, that, and the other. So on the renunciation. Not because things aren't pleasant, but because I think the space is probably gives me more my mind more room to open up than all the stuff I'd have to deal with. Now we can look at that. That's a you know just that trajectory alone is um, it's you know if we encourage that we won't be gobbling up so much of the resources. We you know there would be much more sharing when you don't need so much for yourself. This is definitely the right trajectory to be following on the condition level. And also it's a sense of the dispassion that arises when one's in that open state. And from that you can then begin to wait a little bit longer. And the first, what can arise in terms of response, and sometimes we want the solution written down, black and white. Now, what can arise, the first response is, I'm pretty sure, the authentic first response is going to be something like, metta karuna mudito pika, that good heart. You can't get the details in. You start with that. Because that's right, that's close to, that's the closest you can get to the, to the action of the heart. 
as his first action. And you stay with that. And then, then you see specific places that those energies can operate within. Equanimity. Just, you know, it's like this now. Mm-hmm. This is where the good intention can go, the good will can go. And you feel, well, if I can do that, well then, you know, I'm looking after this, I'm looking after you, I'm looking after others. Yeah, that, that's my share. And maybe, that's, you know, that's going to be encouraging other people to do likewise. The more we can cultivate uh, kind of spacious and uh, kindly and widening and lengthening your attention span. Because also when you do that, you remember a lot better the teachings. If your attention span is too cramped, teachings, your mind isn't open enough to receive it all. And it doesn't stick. While in your attention span, Maybe stuff comes through there that you're not particularly interested in right now. But some piece will be there that will serve you. You know, ten years later, five years later, tomorrow. There's no end to the uh, value that can come from this act of pausing, widening, opening, and listening deeply. Is both there as a support for our immediate life, immediate conditioned life, taking care of what you're doing. And essentially it's the quality that pertains right through to awakening. And if you, again, you look in the suttas, the Buddha's saying, through careful attention, I reviewed aging, sickness and death. With careful attention, you only saw me sikara. I noticed consciousness and name and form are like this. Then he says, you know, right, even in his own awakening moments, when the mind was purified, bright, I directed it with careful attention. This is conditionality. This is the noble truths. This is where it stops. Careful attention. Obviously, this person had developed that to a very profound degree. But this, this it's, it's not remote. But it's Taking, making the resolutions to check and cultivate a lifestyle that supports it. This, this must be my ongoing encouragement and, uh, and exhortation. And in meditation, this is our workplace, our primary workplace, you could say, or our, I mean, Ideally, you should try to do this all the time, but certainly when you're sitting still, um, it's your sole practice, really, because you just got a body or a thought, and not, you know, not distant technological issues. It's just the body and the impulses. Training yourself to pause, touch, open, listen. How's that? Lengthen. That, that is the exercise. And the only so many sikara. 
And with sati, you place that in the most purposeful place that's going to work for you. On your breathing, your body, the elements, loving kindness, a mantra. Place it there and then touch the meditation theme. And what, what is it? follow the resonances as they touch your conditioned attitudes, the impatience or the drowsy state and begin to keep repeating it so that it, it brightens the jitta and causes one to the development of wisdom to understand the nature of conditioned phenomena and the jitta that goes beyond it. 